Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jess. Thank you for sharing your heart. Well, good afternoon, church family. My name is Dave Kitani, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. Uh, if you are mourning the loss of the Dodgers, you have come to the right place, right? We, we need the healing, right? Okay. But in all seriousness, last week, as Jess mentioned, Pastor Chris shared about the vision of our church, who we are, and what, uh, where we're headed as a church. So if you missed that, check it out on YouTube, right? You can check that out and just get caught up with us. But today, we're entering into a short series to go more in-depth, sharing about what our core values are at New Life. What our core values are at New Life. These core values are like foundations of the building. They're foundations for our church that without it, our church would fall apart. Maybe not physically, but spiritually without these core values. So, today, I'm going to start with the first one. The first and most important core value that we have is love for Jesus. So, it sounds very generic, but as I was preparing this message, there's, there's so much. I, I was at a loss at where to start. Where do I start talking about love for Jesus? Something that's so core to us. Uh, so, I, just, I was getting kind of overwhelmed. So, I was like, okay, God, I was desperate. I was like, God, please give me something. Show me where, where you want me to focus. And then this rarely ever happens. But I got this verse reference. It's like the Bible address of that verse in my mind. I saw 1 John 4.15. This doesn't happen all the time. So I'm like, okay, let's check this out. And as that happened, that happened to be the center of the passage that we are going to read. And as I, re as I was reading outward from that verse, from verse 15, it just really kind of clicked. So please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. The scripture is taken from the first letter of John Chapter 4, verses 9 through 19. I'm reading from the New International Version. So 1 John 4, 9 through 19. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears 
is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Let's pray. Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We, we're just on awe. Thank you for your love. Lord God, we come with lots of baggage, Lord God. Nothing is hidden from you. We can hide it from other people, but Father God, you know all the stuff. Lord God, even that went on this morning, Lord God, you know all the stuff. And Lord God, we just want to give that to you. We want to entrust that into your hands. You know all about that. We trust that you are more than able to carry all those things. So help us now. I pray that by your spirit, you would open up our minds to understand your scriptures, understand what you are speaking to us, that we would hear your word right into our hearts in such a way that we wouldn't just take it and just drop it off here, leave it here, but it would stay in our hearts. It would take root in our hearts and it would bear fruit in our hearts and it would show up in our lives. We need you so much. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, so as I read that passage, what, what did I sense God wanted us to know about this core value of our church, love for Jesus? First, I'm going to start from that verse 15. First, that Jesus is the center of our love. In verse 15, it says, if anyone acknowledges or just recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. Okay, there's some words we've got to unpack in here. What does it mean that Jesus is the Son of God? Uh, if we grew up in the church, we hear this, but what does this mean? It doesn't mean that God created Jesus. That's not what it means. This is actually an ancient phrase that meant something or someone was in the order of something. So, for example, if I were to say of my friend... Gustavo was sporting the gear. He is the son of the Dodgers. It doesn't mean that the Dodgers gave birth to Gus. That's not what it means. It means that he is all about that Dodger life. He's a son of the Dodgers. Get it? That's what that term means. So when Jesus says that, when John, the apostle, is saying Jesus is the son of God, that means Jesus is in the order of God. He's all about God. In fact, he is God himself. If you don't believe me, go through the book of John. The first chapter starts off with that, right? That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God, right? So he represents, Jesus represents God through and through. The gospel, if we look at it, the good news, it starts with Jesus to us. And that gospel is God taking on flesh. So if you've ever wondered, what would it be like if God was just like walking amongst us? What would that be like? You already have the answer. It's Jesus. He showed us what that's like. God taking on human flesh. So if you recognize, if you are sitting here, you recognize, if you're watching, you recognize and believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, According to verse 15 and 13, did you know that's a sign, that's evidence that God lives inside of you? You wouldn't have been able to know that, believe that, open yourself up to that without God. So that's already a sign that God lives in you. If you believe and you know that Jesus is not just some regular human being, he's God in the flesh. 
So God is one. You'll see this. It says God, but then you'll see all these other words interchanged with it. God is one, but God is three in one. This is the concept of the Trinity. One way I understand it is the Heavenly Father is God above us. The Son is God amongst us. And the Holy Spirit is God within us. So when he says God lives in you, it's technically the Holy Spirit, but God lives in you. So for those of us who believe in Jesus, the God of the universe lives in you. Just, just think about that. If anyone deserves to be the center, it's God, right? If anyone deserves to be the center. It's God. He's the one who gave us life. He's the one who allows us to even breathe right now. We cannot even take that for granted these days. So it's a core value of our church that we recognize and we love Jesus. Okay, why is that so important? It's important because we need to be clear. We're not just talking about a God that we made up. We're talking about a God that stepped into history, walked among us as a human being named Jesus. Throughout history, people have made and placed anything, anyone but God at the center. And that's true even in these days. Don't we like love and make the center of our lives all sorts of other things other than God? You know, God, you know, he's there, you know, he's important, but he's not like the center. It might be our work, it might be our children, it might be our entertainment, it might be, mean our weekends. It might mean our beloved sports teams. We place that at the center. But they can never satisfy us. It can never, and all those things I just listed, does that, does that meet our soul need? It doesn't. Because those things were never meant to be the center. Jesus was made to be the center. So when we at New Life, when we talk about Loving Jesus, know that we mean loving God, the creator and source of all things, expressed in the person of Jesus. So what makes Jesus so special? You know, can it just be like my higher power? What makes Jesus so special? Why is he the center? Why is he most worthy of our love? All right, so I'm going to ask you all to do something, step a little bit out of your comfort zone. I want you to think about that. What, how about for you? What makes Jesus so special to you? What is a way or a time or memory that you have that you experienced Jesus? Something you cannot explain anything else is, whoa, that, that was Jesus stepping in somehow. I want you to think about that. You can reflect on it personally. You can write it down. It's okay for you to take out your phone as long as you're not checking scores and stuff. You just take out your phone, put on a note, write it down, or you've brought it, your old school piece of paper and a pen, write down. Write down, hey, what is a way that I've experienced Jesus? Even one thing, whether that be recently or whether, like these songs that we sang, the first time Jesus called out to you. And then I would like you to share that just with a neighbor, so, you know, you're seated with your family, so you can just share with a neighbor. Or, you know, if you're like super introvert status, I'm going to ask you to write down a couple things. Cool? So I'm going to give you some time. Share about, think about a time where Jesus showed himself to you and showed his love to you. What would that be?
So think about that, and I want you to share that with a neighbor. So you should be either writing or sharing. I can see you all, so writing or sharing. If you're watching from home, you can write in the comments, sure. So what is a way that Jesus has shown himself to you? Maybe not in physical form, but a way that you know Jesus has loved you. It's touched into your life. Okay, now let the other person share. If you've been sharing, let the other person share. So I encourage you, this is a great practice to remember how Jesus took on flesh in your life. He's not just some story. He's interacted with your life in different ways. Don't forget those things. Record those things. Because when you're down, when you're in it, it's hard to remember these things. And we could just pull that out. So if you have a no, you write it down. Add to that list. Add to that list. Cool. All right, I'm going to draw you back. It seems like the juices are flowing. It's starting to open up, right? If we just give them a minute, right? Okay. So, our core value of loving Jesus. We know that Jesus is the center. But also, why is he most worthy? Why is he most worthy? Why does he deserve that center place in our hearts and our lives? Jesus is the most worthy of our love, and you have specific reasons, but here's a couple. One, we see Jesus is the true center, the only one that comes first because Jesus himself is the definition of love. We see this in verse 10. It literally says, this is love. It's like, pay attention. Let your mind see this as the definition of love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word for love used here is the Greek word agape. Say it, agape. Agape, yes, which means unconditional love. Wanting the best for us, this is a kind of love with no ifs, ands, ors, or buts. It's that kind of love. You know, we didn't have unconditional love for God. We have our conditions for God. God, I thought you loved me. You got to do this. You got to do that. Then, this, then you, you love me. No, that, that, that's not how God is. We were like messing things up, having an attitude, temper tantrum with Jesus. And Jesus chose to love us first. He's committed to love us. He, he is agape, unconditional love. That's who he is. God showed us what this kind of love looked like. We needed to see it. So when we were turning our backs on God, when we were sitting against him, he loved us. 
You know, he initiated love with us. He started it. He's the one who chased us down in Jesus. If we're here, like, Jesus was chasing after us. And this love, it wasn't just feelings, y'all. It was not just some sentimental feeling. It took on flesh. It was action. How do I know this? Jesus didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. People from all religions respect something about Jesus is different. He showed up and he stepped into our mess. The kind of family and circumstances he was born into, he did not take the easy path. Jesus' kind of love, it saw the invisible. It touched the untouchable. It spoke the unspokable or unspeakable, and it heals the incurable. That's the kind of love. Jesus shed his literal blood, sweat, and tears, if you read the accounts, to love us. It was not some weak, sort of soft sort of love. It was all-out sort of love. He showed us the way of what God is really like what his love really looks like, what love is supposed to look like. Jesus is also the most worthy of love because he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. In verse 10, it says, Jesus became an atoning sacrifice for our sins. First, we got to recognize, but this, I feel like the Catholic Church has really kind of dug deep into us. We have a problem. And that problem is sin. We've done wrong. We've done good, I'm sure, but we've done wrong too. We've done God wrong. We've done one another wrong in different ways. I was doing wrong to my son this morning. He says, okay, I got to repent of that. We have this problem. And we are held accountable for our sins through death and judgment. We, we want to prolong that, but one day we all got to meet our maker, everybody. But Jesus, it says, became an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Okay, atone, we don't use that word. It's a word, the word translated as atoning here is a word uh, that can mean in Greek mercy. We understand mercy. God, through Jesus, showed us mercy by sending Jesus to pay for our sin. By Jesus' death and resurrection through the cross, he canceled the blood debt of our sin, and he opens up a new way for us. If you've seen Squid Games, you know death. Debt can be crushing. But Jesus, he canceled that debt on our behalf, and it was not free. By Jesus' death and resurrection, showing that he was not just the talk, Coming back to life through the cross, he showed us the way out of that problem of sin. He's the only one who could deal with it. Mohammed can't solve our problem with sin. Buddha can't solve our problem with sin. Your mama can't solve your problem with sin. I can't solve my problem of sin. Only Jesus can solve the problem of our sin. Don't get it twisted. We cannot do it on our own. Anyone who's been to recovery, step zero is just saying, oh, I can't do it. Because we're just so stubborn. So stubborn we are. 
But Jesus loves us. And he knew we couldn't, so he's offering us a way. Okay. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus is most worthy of our love because Jesus unites himself to us. In verse 13, it says he's given us his spirit. In verse 15, it says God lives in us. We in God. What does that mean? It wasn't enough that Jesus showed us what love is. It wasn't enough that Jesus forgave us and gave his life in exchange for us. Ah, even that wasn't enough. Jesus offers to live in us, each and every one of us. In fact, verse 9 says, it says we live through him. That's how we as Christians live. Not just physically, but spiritually. And it also means if Jesus unites himself to us, it means God is not some distant God that doesn't understand your life. He's walked in it. And you say, well, he doesn't know my problem. Well, if he lives in you, then he's dealing with that. <laughs> he's listening to those thoughts you tell yourself. He's listened to all that. He's seen all those things. And he wants to live with you. Jesus has united himself to us. It means he's not only taken on our suffering and our sin, the bad stuff, uh, in ultimate solidarity with us, but that he's also shared his righteous life with us. That's what that means. That means that we have full intimate access. He, he offers it, his access to his power, his thoughts, the spirit of God, uh, knows the mind of God, it says in 1 Corinthians. He's given us access to his very presence, as close as our very breath. We can only become fully alive through Jesus. So yes, Jesus is many things. Even those who are atheists believe this. He will, he's a wise teacher. Yes. He's a powerful prophet. He's a social revolutionary. Yes. And he is God who loves us, saves us, and lives in us. Isn't he worthy to be the center for us to love him first? Okay, Dave. So how do we love Jesus? How do we love him? Jesus is the source and model of our love. We see first, we have to get to know Jesus and his love. We've got to get to know him. Verse 16a, the first part of verse 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Okay, knowing Jesus and his love, it's not just some one-time act, right? If I read a book, okay, I'm good. I know all about Jesus and his love. No, we keep on growing. This is the kind of knowing that's experiential. We grow in knowing him. We grow in knowing how much he loves us as like, man, he's walked so many years with us and so many things we've messed up and he's still riding with us. I mean, that love hopefully is growing. You know, scripture says, he or she who has been forgiven much loves Jesus much because they know. <laughs> like, like, think of it. You don't just show up to the wedding of someone you're going to marry and then you're like, woo, and then you live on your own after that. That makes no kind of sense, right? If, if you love Jesus and you're growing and knowing and relying on him, you live in with him. You're sharing your life. You have a relationship with Jesus that's growing. You know, the demons knew Jesus too, right? I mean, they really knew it was Jesus was the Son of God. They even say that. 
But you know what the difference is? The demons didn't love Jesus. They were afraid of him. They didn't love Jesus. That's something opened up to us. If Sunday is the only day that we take in Jesus and love for Jesus, you won't make it. We won't make it through. Because the world is a faithful preacher. It preaches to you a million messages in a minute, right? With all the social media. Faithfully preaching against and trying to pull you away from Jesus. So we need that relationship with Jesus to sustain us. If we want to stay in it with Jesus. So we need to rely on Jesus as the center of our lives. We lean on Jesus, not just when we need his help. We need his help all the time, not just in bad times, but in good times. That's what it means to rely on him. We keep going to Jesus every day. We rely on Jesus like we rely on food. We need it every day. We get joy, we get our strength. How much more so, right, Jesus says, men, women, we, we don't live only on bread or tortillas or rice, right? We live on the word of God. That's how our spirit is alive. So how do we show love for Jesus? Right, we get to know Jesus and his love. Two, we are like him in his love. We become like him in his love. In verse 16b, the second part of verse 16 and 17, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Isn't that crazy? It's like, nah, Jesus. No, he's saying, in this world, we are like Jesus here on earth. That's how he designed it. When we love each other, we're showing Jesus to people. You can't be like Jesus if you don't know what Jesus is like. The Bible shows us what he's like. You know this. So let's commit to reading the scriptures. Maybe you already got your Bible plan. Good, man. Uh, Jessica's got her ladies on. Just solid plan, right? Jesus, did you know, Jesus is called by many names, but did you know he's also called the Word of God? So when you say the Word of God, that's Jesus. When you look at creation where God is creating heavens and the earth with a Word, that's Jesus right there. The Word of God, we need his Word. So seven days without the Word of God makes one week. Seven days without the Word of God makes one week. Right, in both senses of the term. I recommend starting in the book of Mark. That's the shortest book about the life of Jesus. That's a great place to start. Uh, if, if you're on the go, or like reading is not your thing, you're like, you know, put on an audio Bible. Almost every Bible app has an audio Bible. Like in multiple languages. It's very helpful. It, 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 it guides me. When I can't sleep, I just get the word of God over me. That helps me. Uh, if you need help understanding God's word, you know the YouVersion Bible app? I think that's the number one Bible app. Uh, it has daily videos now under two minutes that help break down verses for you of people from all different colors and parts of the, of the country. If you need accountability, someone to do it with, 
Join a life group. Right, the men's group that I just sat in, man, they, they got that accountability going. What are they going to do? Not just here. What are they going to do? So we need even that, that company around us to get that help. And something is better than nothing. Something is better than nothing. So I encourage you to start taking in the word some way, shape, fashion, or form. Then, after you read it, you do what you read. You do what you read. Do what Jesus is asking you to do. If you hear God's word, you, you get some nice thoughts, but you don't do anything about it, guess what? Nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change. Jesus said, that's like foolish. That's like building a house on sand. It's just going to fall down and crash. So we do the word. Just reading the Bible is not loving Jesus. I want to be clear. Just reading the Bible, that is not loving Jesus. We see from the scripture, it says, doing what it says is loving Jesus. All right? That's, so it says, like, when we love others, we're activating that. You know, the world doesn't need more know-it-alls. The world needs people who love them, like Jesus, like Jesus loved us. If you're having trouble loving Jesus and loving others, you know, we could be honest about that. That's a sign that we're not really knowing him and loving him as we ought. It says in the scripture, it says we love because he first loved us. You know, because Jesus' love is like a fuel. We need that. It causes us to love others. So if I'm not loving Jesus and loving others with his love, it means I'm not really living into or experiencing or really knowing Jesus' love. That he, he loved me first kind of love. Jesus loves us and continues to love us even before we have our stuff together, guys. So if you're here this morning, you don't got your stuff together, welcome. You are welcome. This is the house for Jesus' followers. You're in good company that he loves us right here. That's holy power right there at your disposal. We might know this in our head, especially those who, you know, been, been in church for a while. But we need to let it get down into our hearts, our soul, our strength. Right? If you find your love for Jesus growing cold or you find yourself, I'm not, I'm not I notice I'm not very loving to others. Not nice, loving, right? Like you love and you care for folks hoping for their best. If you're finding that, here, here's one exercise that helps me. You may have different things. This is something that's helped me. Imagine yourself in Jesus' arms. Just close your eyes. Just imagine Jesus just holding you. And then just ask him, Jesus, how do you love me? Right? If, if one of our children came up to us and say that, we'd have things to share. Wouldn't, wouldn't Jesus have things to share? And the third thing is, listen. Listen to him. Listen to what he speaks, what comes to mind. Maybe he's bringing you a word. Maybe he brings you an image. Maybe it's a memory that he's bringing to you. This is how I love you, child. And then let that truth go into your heart. 
Sometimes I rush this last step. Don't rush this last step. Let that truth go into your heart. Not just say, okay, I know that Jesus. Just say, yes, Jesus. <laughs> help, help me to feel that in my heart. Help me to take that into my heart. Help me to take that into my soul. Know that that is secure. Help me to take that into my body. Let that give me strength for whatever, you know, conflict is before me, whatever challenge is before me. Help me to take that in, Jesus. So one by one, just take that in. I'd like to call up the worship team and uh, just close with a story that shows how love for Jesus is our center. It's our very life that we rely on. A friend of mine from when I was a teen in youth group, I was part of youth group too at my church, uh, has a younger brother named Paul. Uh, but he's, he's not a teen anymore. He's an adult. Now I'm an old man. But two years ago, Paul got married to this girl named Shizuka. I haven't met her, but uh, they got married. Happy, right? And, and, and they both knew Jesus. Three days after their wedding, Shizuka had to go to the emergency room to the hospital, and her health took a nosedive. That week, Paul, I mean, he's just nearly married, he got laid off at work. And Paul, he was sharing, he felt like he hit rock bottom. But the rock bottom kept getting deeper and deeper. Have you ever experienced that? They are both believers in Jesus. But God was taking them deeper into a painful journey. Things were not getting better physically. Shizuka was recommended an end-of-life therapist because the doctors were out of options. They said, it's just going to be a matter of, matter of days, maybe weeks at best. The therapist sensed somehow Shizuka knew Jesus, and she said, I want to recommend to you fasting and repentance. She's like, what? Well, I can't eat anything. She wasn't able to eat for months. She couldn't hold anything down. That was one of the reasons. Even the IV drip, which is just like liquid, she couldn't even take that. He said, well, I'm fasting, whether I want to or not. But uh, repentance, okay, I'll give it a try. Repentance is a fancy word of just turning back to God. Turning away from whatever is distracting us, turning us back to God. You know, so she thought she had some stuff. And then Jesus told her, "Nah, you're still missing something, honey. It's something you do every day. Well, I worry every day. And he says, yes. You pray to me, but you're still carrying it. You have to let it go. It means you don't trust me. Whoo! Like, she, she just took that in. She's like, I thought I was doing something good. You know, I'm praying. But she's missing the whole point of the prayer. She's supposed to let it go into God's hands. And she just said, like, oh, just peace came over her. And she's, just, she's ready. She's ready. So Jesus was like, okay, it's almost like taking her on dates again. He would just wake her up at 3 a.m. because she ain't going nowhere. And she, she said, she just, that would be her time with Jesus. She would just wake up. One day in May, so about five months ago, 
Um, she sensed, uh, she was already down to 70 pounds. These, these would be her last days. And one day in May, in her time with Jesus, she sensed Jesus tell her, sit up. And then she's like, what are you talking about? I haven't sit up without anybody's help in a long time. You can't do that, Jesus. And then more sternly, sit up. And then she sat up. And then she sensed Jesus said, come sit with me over here. Which means she had to walk out of her bed. So she got out of her bed and she started walking, which she hadn't done in months. And she just collapsed and was just fatigued. And then she said she woke up because, you know, the sun had come up. And then Jesus said, eat something. And she's like, well, I haven't ate in nine months. I'm allergic to things. This is killing me. I can't just eat. He said, what, well, what do you want me to eat, Jesus? He said, eat whatever you want. And what came to her mind was her mama's oatmeal. She said, I want oatmeal. So she woke up her husband, who was like, what is going on? He said, okay, take me. We, we need to do this now. Take me to the grocery store. And apparently he carried her into the grocery store and got some oatmeal. And when they came home, she said, I'm going to cook it. So she stood up and she cooked that oatmeal herself. And then she sat with her husband and her mother, who were very skeptical, <laughs> and she ate. And 15 minutes went by, it didn't come back up. It stayed in her body. And then she kept eating, and she kept eating. And like a week ago, a week and a half ago, she gave a testimony at her home church. Hmm. She's fully healed. When the doctors heard this, they could not understand what was happening. They were, they were responding in tears. And you know, they couldn't even get themselves to say what this was. They're like, something, something greater has happened here. And, and one of them said, well, let's at least, let's call it a miracle. Yes. So Jesus was their life and their love all the way, even through the valleys. And we are reminded through the story of Shizuka that Jesus is literally the one who gives us life. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the center, the source, the model of life and love. We may be alive physically, but we can only live spiritually the way we truly were meant to live through Jesus. I'd like to call up our prayer team leaders to stand up around the side just to be available for prayer as needed. Even praying for yourselves. I invite all of us to stand to respond to Jesus who first loved us. That we may love him first and foremost, that first love again. And let the Spirit of God inside us draw us out, draw us into real life with Him. There's two uh, groups of people I want to 
that come to mind I want to pray for right now. First, I want to pray for those who want to believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh. But maybe you've never confessed it before in your heart. If that's you, you just close your eyes, just put your hand over your heart. It's not magic, but just, just as a sign that you want to believe in him. And you've never kind of confessed that before. And you could just say this prayer after me under your breath. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. God in the flesh. I confess my sin before you. I receive your mercy to cover over my sin through your sacrifice, Jesus. Jesus, be the sinner, the one that I rely on. Make me more like you, Jesus. If that was your first time that you said that prayer, I, I want to encourage you, please come talk to me, one of the leaders, standing up around the sides about next steps in your journey with Jesus. Now for everyone else, I want to pray for those who believe Jesus is the Son of God. You, you believe that. You know that he is. But you're feeling a little dry, a little tired, a little weak. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to experience that truth that you live in us and we live in you. Maybe we lost sight of it. Take out the thorns that keep us from that. God, you live in us, Lord. Help us to know that and help us to be able to take that into our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, our bodies and help us to be empowered by your love, to remember your love with us. Not in the past, not just in the past, but now. And even into the future, how faithful. And as you fill us with your love, you help us to go forth and love others like Jesus loves us. In our home and out in the world. 